we are kicking off a new series this morning called Acceptable Sins. Acceptable Sins. Now, you'll notice the word acceptable is in quotes because really there are no acceptable sins, are there? No, there aren't. But what we're going to be talking about specifically during this series is those things that we culturally tend to wink at and accept, even though the Bible explicitly warns them, warns us against them. And so we're going to be spending uh, the next six weeks on these things, okay? Now, don't... <laughs> don't fear. This is going to be covered in grace. I guarantee you, though, there will be something that you deal with that we talk about. And that's because we love you. And that's because we want to see the power of God move in your life and bring freedom to your life. Amen? Amen. So, because I'm evidently mentally insane, I chose gluttony as the first one uh, to kick off this morning. Um, you know, I, I guess I figured I had the most experience with this one. So I, <laughs> someone uh, jokingly told me before, I, we're talking on gluttony, he goes, didn't you used to deal with that? Yeah, used to. Used to deal with that. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's in my past, as in this morning. <laughs> so, I mean, I grew up, you know, here in the South, we like to eat, don't we? We like to eat. We were professionals at eating. I, I'll never forget the day. I was over at, at Tiffany's grandparents' house, uh, and we were eating. Uh, and, and, and the culture at her, the, the, the grandparents on one side of the family was very different. And, and the, the grandmother, she didn't even sit down until everyone was done eating food. I mean, she just loved serving people. And I remember dipping up the food, and she would always want to give me the most. Oh, Jamie, that's not enough. I'm like, do you see the mounded pile of food, sweetheart? It's like, like, she's like, no, you're a big guy. You need more. I'm like, no, it's the opposite, right? And it dawned on me what Southern food is. You know what Southern food is? This is it. You might want to write this down just for future reference. Southern food is the act of taking something that's good for you and making it bad for you. That's what it is. Okra, hey, that's pretty good for you. Fry that junk, right? <laughs> green beans, super good. For green beans are good for you. We're going to put bacon in it, right? That's what we're going to do. That's what Southern food is. We're going to fry it up. We're going to grease it up. <laughs> we're going to do all that kind of stuff to it. So culturally, you know, we are a culture that likes to eat, right? But, but there's, there's a problem with that, is we also culturally have a serious issue with obesity. We have a serious issue with obesity. Um, now, obesity is defined as, uh, as anything over a, a BMI or body mass index of 30. I'm not going to go into what all this means. And, and body mass index is not always the best way to determine health. But it's just a way that, that you take your height and your weight and you do some, some simple math and you come up with your body mass index. Um, and, and so anything over 30 would be considered obese. Now, this is different. Obese is different than overweight. Overweight means, hey, you could probably shed a few, right? But obese means, hey, you're getting to the point where it's going to affect your health. Okay, So listen to these statistics. More than one in three adults are considered uh, in the United States are considered to be obese. Not just overweight. Obese. One in three adults. 
More than 1 in 20 adults are considered to have extreme obesity. That's a BMI of over uh, 40. More than 1 in 6 children and adolescents ages 6 to 19 are considered to be obese. Now, what's the big deal? Oh, Jamie, you're fat shaming. Have you heard the, the shaming thing that's going around? You're fat shaming, right? You're, you're shaming people for their body size. Look, I don't, I don't care about body size. I don't care about, about weight. I tell my wife all the time if she gains some weight, I'm like, weight is a stupid measurement of health. It's how much your body displaces gravity. It's, it's not, right? You can, be hel- you can be totally unhealthy and not weigh much, Right? So weight is it's, it's, it's more math than it is health, right? It's just, it's just a dumb way of looking at it. Um, what, what I'm concerned about as I read about this, and, and for myself as well, is, is obesity causes type 2 diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, osteoarthritis, strokes, and some types of cancer. And if that weren't bad enough that it's killing us, it's also costing us a fortune, the estimated annual health care costs of obesity-related illness, this is not overweight, this is obesity-related illness, are at a staggering $190.2 billion per year. That's 21% of annual medical spending in the United States. So one out of every $5 that's being spent on health care in the United States is from preventable obesity No one has gotten out and walked out yet. I'm so glad. This is awesome. Guys, this is a really important issue. And if I can be honest with you, this gluttony is my issue. This is something that I've struggled with my whole life. Now, we're going to define gluttony in just a moment. And you're going to see it's it's more than overeating. Okay, but but as I've been studying for this, um, I can absolutely relate to this. This is this is one of those things. I grew up in a Christian household. You know, we didn't we didn't cuss, we didn't drink. The parents didn't get drunk. Um, you know, didn't do drugs, didn't run around, didn't didn't party like crazy, didn't do all this stuff. But food was one of the acceptable sins in my life. Food was something I could latch on to, I could be bad with, and it wasn't frowned upon because of the culture that we live in. I was thinking about this, I was preparing for this, and I was like, why haven't I heard a sermon on this? Like, I've never, I mean, I grew up in church I grew up going to different denominations, uh, spirit-filled, non-denoms, Baptist, Methodist. Uh, I've been to all those churches, been members of all those different denominations at different times in my life. I, I can honestly say, as far as I remember, I have never heard a sermon on gluttony. Why? Why? Look at this verse. It's Ezekiel. Chapter 16, verse 49. Now, Ezekiel is talking about Sodom. You remember Sodom and Gomorrah, the city that was destroyed? And, and what was, if you were asked the, the average person, why was Sodom and Gomorrah, why was it destroyed? And they're going to say for sexual sin. But look at what Ezekiel says at verse 49. Sodom's sins were pride, gluttony, and laziness. While the poor and needy suffered outside her door, she was proud and committed detestable sins, so I wiped her out, as you've seen. Whoa. 
So we see here that gluttony is not just something to wink at, something that, yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's serious. Now, the sins of Sodom and Gomorrah did eventually devolve into sexual sin, and that's the detestable sins. That word detestable is also an abomination, and that's what we see in Leviticus when, we talk, when they talk about all the different um, homosexuality and adultery and, and incest and all these sexual sins. So it did devolve into that, but it started with gluttony. It started with pride. It started with laziness. It started with these things that we often wink at. And that's why, guys, as your pastor, I love you too much to just scoot this under the carpet, under the rug. That's how I clean, by the way. I just put everything under the rug, right? If Tiff's been gone for the weekend, the kids and I, about 30 minutes before she gets home, right, we we scurry around and we just start hiding stuff. (laughs) We don't pick up anything. We simply hide it and rearrange it, Okay. But do we do that as, as believers? I think we do. I think we do. I mean, why haven't we heard sermons on this? I think it's for two reasons. First of all, it's an acceptable sin. It's much easier to say, look at Sodom and their sexual sin. I don't do that. Sodom's sin was gluttony just like ours. So I think it's an acceptable sin. I think we have to get real with ourselves about this. And secondly, honestly, gluttony is a little hard to define. The Hebrew Hebrew word for gluttony literally means to shake off. What? (laughs) I thought it was putting on, (laughs) right? It means to shake off, but what it means is to shake off boundaries, to shake off restraint. And so we're going to define gluttony, okay? We're going to take some time, we're going to define gluttony, then we're going to learn how to defeat gluttony. So first of all, I want you to know that gluttony is not simply the act of eating more than you need. Gluttony is not just simply the act of eating more than you need. The Israelites were commanded by God to feast at certain times. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Ingathering, the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Booths. There are all sorts of feasts that that we were commanded, that the Israelites were commanded to do, right? Um, in, uh, In Numbers 29, 12, we won't turn there for the sake of time. But in Numbers 29, 12, um, it actually talks about the Feast of Tabernacles. And it required that you take off work for an entire week and you feast for seven straight days. And some of you are thinking, I'm in the wrong religion right now. (laughs) Right? I want to take off work and eat for a week. Hey, that sounds good. Right? But that was a godly thing. God God doesn't command his children to sin. He said, eat, eat plenty, eat to your full, just, just eat, enjoy, and feast. Matthew 22, the kingdom of God, the first half of this chapter, the kingdom of God is, 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 is correlated to a wedding feast. Well, there's a lot of food, there's a lot of celebration, there's a lot of joy. Revelation 19 calls heaven the marriage supper of the Lamb. Marriage supper, supper, eating, food, feasting, Right? So we see that feasting and eating more than you need is not necessarily a sin. Here's the difference. A feast was for appointed times and was the exception to a lifestyle of hard work and moderation. A feast, now you get that, a feast is the exception 
is for an appointed time, and that time ends, right? And it was, um, it was, it was an exception to the, a lifestyle of hard work and moderation. I, I was telling Tiff not too long ago, I said, I said, my whole diet is one big exception, right? It's like, oh, I'll, I'll be bad tonight and get dessert. And the next night, uh, I'll be bad tonight and get dessert. And the next night, uh, I'll be bad tonight. Well, guess what? I'm just being bad. I'm not being bad tonight. <laughs> I'm living a dietary exception. So see, there are times to feast. There are times to enjoy food. There are times to eat more than is required for sustenance. But those are exceptions. And we have to learn to live in moderation like the children of Israel did. Here's the other thing about feasts that's different than how we overeat. Uh, It was done in the context of community and family. It was done in the context of community and family. So it, it was about gathering everyone together and celebrating. It was about gathering the family together and celebrating. Now, I, I dealt significantly with overeating. I have lost a good bit of weight, put some of it back on, but I didn't gain it all back to where I originally was. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, one of the things that I dealt with when I was at my heaviest was secret eating, isolated eating. As a matter of fact, I would go out at at my job. I wasn't a full-time minister. I I was in the corporate world, and I had a, it doesn't matter, I had to go and run an errand basically two to three times a week, having to do the work, having to deal with work. And so I would go and uh, go to the post office, and while I was at the post office, I drove by Dairy Queen. And I would think, no one will know, (laughs) Right? And, and, and so that, that secret eating, that isolated eating, that was gluttony. Celebrating because of some other reason, a birthday, a friendship, a, a holiday, that was not gluttony. Do you see the difference? One was in isolation and one was in community. We'll talk more about that moving forward. Also, a feast, these feasts, were celebrating the goodness of God. They had a purpose. It wasn't just to feed our bellies until we couldn't, you know, fit our pants anymore. The reason for these feasts was to glory and revel in who he was and how good he was and how much he had provided for us. Does that make sense? And and so that was the context of feasting. So see, just eating more than you need is not gluttony. It, It turns into gluttony. We'll define gluttony in just a moment. It turns into gluttony when your motives and your heart changes. See, Thanksgiving, we all make the joke, Thanksgiving's coming up next month, right? And, uh, you know, Thanksgiving is more than just watching football and eating turkey until you can't eat anymore, until you can't breathe right. <laughs> you ever eaten so much you can't breathe, you're out of breath, right? right? Thanksgiving, if done correctly, is all these things. It's an appointed time, it's an exception to a lifestyle of moderation, it's done in community and family, and it's celebrating the goodness of God. If you want to eat Eat more than you need to sustain life for that day. And enjoy Thanksgiving. Go for it. That's great. But if that's just your normal life, if you just biggie size your fries because it's lunch, not because of it's any other reason, then that's gluttony. Do you see? Okay. Here's the other thing gluttony is not. Gluttony is not the state of being overweight. 
Gluttony is not the state of being overweight. You, you, uh, we love to judge each other's sins. Oh my goodness, we love to judge each other's sins, don't we? And so we're all, well, I think he might do this. I think she might do this. Oh, really? Right? And we get, we're, we're so interested in everyone else's sin. Well, it'd be easy to look at someone based on body type and size and say, oh, well, looks like they deal with gluttony. But that's not always, that's not always the, the result of gluttony is being overweight. Thin people can commit the sin of gluttony, and overweight people might not be committing the sin of gluttony. Right? Now, I, I'm, I'm not here to make excuses. Right? I mean, I, I'm going to be totally honest. I need to lose some weight. I need to lose some weight. And it's not just because of my big bones. Right? I mean, I don't think, you know, I don't think if you were to x-ray me, goodness, look at this guy's bones. No wonder he weighed more. <laughs> no, I've just got huge, like, this is all, it's one big bone. It's just a bone, just a thick bone. It's not just because of big bone, right? We got to, come on, let's be honest. Are there medical reasons that cause, yes, there are, Right? Right, but but we, let's just get off of everyone's case for a moment and let everyone deal with their own weight issue and not necessarily accuse them of gluttony. Okay, Let, let's look at the fruit of gluttony. Let's look at the fruit of gluttony. It, it, Proverbs twenty three and nineteen through twenty one actually have this for you. It says, "My child, listen and be wise. Keep your heart on the right course. Do not carouse with drunkards or feast with gluttons, for they are on their way to poverty." And too much sleep clothes them in rags. Interesting. The fruit of gluttony is not necessarily being overweight. Although if you eat too much food, if you eat more food than is necessary for sustaining life, you're going to gain weight. I mean, it's just simple math. Do you know that you can take your weight, multiply it by 11, if you're a normal functioning adult? Take your weight, multiply it by 11, that's the amount of calories that you eat in a day. Do you know that? Yeah. Simple math. Eat less, lose weight, eat more, gain weight. Bam. Done. You don't have to buy a book. You don't have to order special food. Right? Now, it makes, now calorie, all calories aren't created equal. Right? I mean, they're empty calories versus full calories. And if you eat more protein calories, then you won't eat as much. And so there's, I'm not going to do a health lesson on here. I'm not really qualified. But, but you know, it's, it's, it's not like it's rocket science. I just don't know how to lose weight. Well, simple math. I mean, that's, that's it. And I know it's harder for some others. Believe me, I know. It's harder for me. Um, I, I have a brother who ate in the same house as me, the same food, the same meals, and he's thin. He's got a different metabolism, right? Right? But that doesn't mean, oh, well, <laughs> no, <laughs> right? But you see, the fruit of gluttony, as we see in Scripture, because we're looking at a scriptural, uh, a scriptural definition of gluttony, the result of gluttony, the fruit of gluttony, is irresponsibility, laziness, entitlement, and lawlessness. Not necessarily simple being overweight. See, gluttony is a state of the heart. It's a state of the heart. So let's define gluttony. I, I, I poured over this definition because it's, I went back to the Hebrew, uh, went back to the Greek, uh, went back to all the verses and stuff. And so this is, this is the official VFC definition of gluttony, okay? Gluttony is a lifestyle of excess 
where one seeks to satisfy the longings of the heart by indulging in food or other pleasure-seeking behavior. That's what gluttony is. That's what gluttony is. It's a lifestyle of excess. Now, it normally presents itself in food. And, and culturally back then, that was the easiest way because food was so scarce, it was obvious to tell who a glutton was. Here in our, in our culture, food is abundant. It's so easy. It's the easiest drug. And I don't have time to get into it, but the pleasure centers of the brain light up just, just like it does when you're on a drug the pleasure centers of the, of the brain light up when you, have good, when you have food that tastes good to you. Do you know that sugar is, eight, I believe it's, it's either six or eight times more addictive than cocaine? I, I was just at the conference I was at last week and they told me that. Sugar is, I think it's eight times, eight times more addictive than cocaine, right? So sugar, so, so we... We've got this relationship with food in our culture. We've got this relationship with food uh, where we're, we're, we're wanting it because it sets off those pleasure centers, because it makes us feel good. It, it's, it's an element of control that we can handle, right? It's all these things to us, and so we just throw caution to the wind and live in excess. Why not? I, I think they'll actually give you, if you drive through fast food, I think they'll actually give you more food if you pay less. <laughs> right? Hey, the combo's $5, but hey, for four fifty, we'll upsize everything. How does that work? Right? For a quarter more, you can get into a tub of french fries and eat your way out. Right? I mean, it's just food is so easily uh, gotten here in our culture. It's just, it's the easy drug. Let's look. I, I, I want to read uh, Genesis 25. This is the best example of gluttony I can find in Scripture. And you guys know this story. It's the story of Esau. Now, I want you to, I know you've heard it before, so don't check out. But I want you to listen to this through the ears of this new gluttony definition that we have. I'll read it to you. It's in the New Living Translation. It says, One day when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. And this is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. Anyone have a... It was Esau's nickname, right? Hey, Red, what's up, bro? Right? That was his name, Edom. All right, Jacob said, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Wow, that escalated quickly. Whoa. <laughs> trade me your rights as a firstborn, which that's the inheritance. Back in that culture, the firstborn got two-thirds of the inheritance, and the secondborn got one-third. I'm a secondborn child. I'm glad I'm not in that culture, right? 50-50. But back then, firstborn got two-thirds, okay? All right. Trade me your rights as firstborn son. Verse 32, look, I'm dying of starvation, Esau said. What good is my birthright to me now? 30, 33, but Jacob said, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew. Esau ate the meal, then got up and left, and he showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn Y'all, this really ticked off God. And it's evidenced by the fact that 
Esau, this moment is echoed all throughout Scripture as an example of how not to behave. He's brought up multiple times. What did Esau do? Esau was gluttonous. He wanted to eat food more than he wanted to enjoy the promises of God. At that point in time, food had become his God. The Apostle Paul actually talks about, I believe it's in Philippians, people whose God is their belly. And that's what happened with Esau. He was practicing gluttony in that moment. So how do we defeat gluttony? We've defined gluttony. How do we defeat it? Well, first of all, we're going to need to replace a few things. Okay, now, before you read point number one, I want you to pay attention here, okay? Gluttony is a substitution. Remember, remember our definition. Our definition is that it seeks to satisfy the longings of the heart by indulging in food, right? So it's a substitution for the things that really do satisfy your heart. Do you get that? So what we're going to need to do is remove the substitution and put in its place what your heart truly longs for. And the first thing is we have to replace indulgence with self-control. And replace indulgence with self-control. Did you know that you really don't want to indulge? I know you think you do. Your flesh does. But your renewed spirit man, the real you that lives inside of you, does not want to indulge. And, and, and you know this intrinsically. Have you ever indulged on food and like afterwards you're like, ugh. You're just like, ugh. You feel terrible, right? You're like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. It seemed like a good idea at the time. I heard a stand-up comic once say, he goes, I don't eat till I'm full. I eat till I hate myself. <laughs> right? And that's how we do it. We don't really want indulgence. We really do crave self-control. Your spirit man really craves self-control. It's a fruit of the spirit. What's a fruit of the spirit? A fruit of the spirit um, is, is a characteristic of God living in your life. When God lives in your life, one of the things that happens in your life is you begin to walk in self-control. Galatians 5.23 is where it lists the fruits of the Spirit. He's in the middle of it. He goes, well, I'll just read them. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Verse 23, gentleness and self-control is the last one. Now, we tend to think, now, 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 now listen to this. We tend to think of self-control as something that we do. But we learn here that it's a fruit of the Spirit. So who can help you with your self-control? Is it you? It's the Holy Spirit. It's you only to the degree that you allow the Holy Spirit access. Now check this last, this last line out. It says gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. There's no law against these things. See, here's what happens. We try to embrace the law whenever we know we have a weight problem. We call it dieting. Think about it. Dieting is the law. Oh, I can't eat that. I shouldn't eat that. Oh, but I'm going to anyway. Right? No one on the face of the planet has ever kept a diet for more than a little bit of time. It's always a temporary solution. And I'm not saying don't diet. I'm not saying throw caution in the wind. Sometimes it's good to utilize a program of eating to get you jump-started where you need to be. Okay? But there's no law against the fruit of the Spirit. The law doesn't help you administer and show 
the fruit of the Spirit in your life. So a diet is not going to help you get rid of gluttony. Do you see that? A diet's not going to help anyone get rid of gluttony. There's no law against self-control. What we can do is we can do things like fast. Fasting is the act of not eating food so you can give yourself fully to prayer. And you have your reference there, Matthew 6, 16 through 18. Interestingly, Jesus says, not if you fast. He says, when you fast. Oh, really? Dang. (laughs) You mean it's not optional, Lord? It's the same thing. He says, not if you pray. When you pray. He didn't say if you give alms and give to those that are, that are poor. He says when. And you actually find, if you study the early church, the early church fathers developed a system of fasting and giving. As a matter of fact, what they would do regularly is they would regularly give up a meal, like for a week, and they would take the money that they saved and they would give it to the poor. They, they would put fasting and giving together. It was a connected thing. Okay? And so... Uh, one of the ways that we can replace indulgence with self-control is we can learn to fast. You know, fasting is denying your physical appetite in order to cultivate your spiritual appetite. It's denying your physical appetite so you can cultivate and invest in and grow your spiritual appetite. We have to learn to replace bad habits with good habits. We have to learn to replace the desire for excess with the desire for enough. That's been one of my issues is that, you know, in in our culture, if you think about it, success, we call someone successful not when they have enough. We call them successful when they have more than enough. Isn't that weird? We don't think someone's successful if they have the perfect car for their family. We think they're successful if they have the most expensive car for their family. But you don't see that in Scripture. You don't see that success is equated with excess in Scripture. You see that success is equated with plenty and contentment. Right? Look, success equals plenty. And we need to bring this into whether it's your house whether it's your car, whether it's your clothes, or yeah, whether it's how full you feel, we need to embrace plenty. Hey, I've had plenty. Could you cram some more down in there? <coughs> Probably. But I've had plenty. Right? I've had plenty. And I'm successful when I've had plenty. And, and you can also, to take it a step further, you can be successful with lack. The Apostle Paul said this in Philippians 4. He said, I've learned how to live an exalted life where I have more than enough. I've learned how to live an abased life where I don't have enough. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm not looking to my temporary circumstances to determine whether or not I'm being successful. Amen? Secondly, we replace entitlement with responsibility. To defeat gluttony, we have to replace entitlement with responsibility. I'm going to begin to quote some scriptures here, but, I, but feel free on the back of your bulletin is some sermon notes, okay? A, a place to write sermon notes. First Timothy 4.8 says, Bodily exercise is good, but spiritual exercise is even better. Now sometimes we read that, well, see, I don't have to exercise bodily. I just need to really invest in the spirit. That's not what that says. It says bodily exercise is good. You do need to do that as well. See, our bodies have been given to us to steward, 
not to ruin. Right? God has left us with this thing that encompasses our spirit man. And said, hey, I'm going to allow you to steward this body. I'm going to allow you to make choices on this body. You're going to get to feed it. You're going to get to care for it. It's my body. But you get to steward it. I I am going to read you because this is good. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 puts it this way. And this is, this is within the context of sexual sin is, is what Paul's talking about. But it, it doesn't matter. The point, the point is the same. It says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. See, your body has been given to you on loan from God for this temporary earthly season. God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Well, he's talking about sexual sin specifically, but we can also apply this same concept to gluttony and to how we eat, right? It's bizarre to me, because this is the thinking that I struggle against. It's bizarre that I can put a substance in my body through my mouth hole and think, that's not going to affect me. I just stuffed it in my body. Of course it's going to affect me. Right? And, and, and so I, I'm trying to get to the point where I look at food as fuel for my body. I look at food as a possibility to feast and think of the Lord's goodness. But I'll read the ingredients and I think, glycol and propylene and what? What is this stuff? Zorbitol? What? Xanthan gum? And I'm stuffing that. That's not going to hurt. That's not going to affect me. I'm putting it inside my body only. What? Tiffany likes to say, you wouldn't step in something while you're walking outside, look at it, pull it off and go, huh, and put it in your body. But yet, you don't even know what's in the ingredients of the food you're eating. And you're putting it in your body. Right? And so, and, and so, so we need to replace this idea of entitlement. I get to eat whatever I want. Okay, it's true. But you're responsible for that. And you will, <laughs> you will bear the penalty of what you do, and you will reap the, con- the benefit of what you do. Amen? Look, God lives in you. Don't trash his house. Don't trash his house. If Jesus said, hey, I'm coming to Thomasville. I need to, need to shack up with you for a week. I need, I need to hang up. I need to hang out with you because you got an extra room. And then he was there. You wouldn't, like, just throw your trash on his sofa where he's sleeping for a week, would you? You'd probably clean the place, take care of the place, Right? Look, you've been given your body to steward. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. And, and, and unless you think that extreme dieting is somehow the answer, anorexia is not being a good steward. Bulimia is not being a good steward either. All right? Okay. Lastly, we have to replace isolation with community. In order to defeat gluttony, we have to replace isolation with community. Again, I already shared this was something that I struggled with, was, was eating in isolation. With it just comforting me and it letting, me, let, letting it be my reward for a hard day or, or whatever. And Acts 2.42 talks about the Christians that they got together, that eating was an important part of the Christian lifestyle. Not overeating, not gluttony, but eating. And then interesting, it says this, Acts 2.42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Oh, that's good. 
We need, to, we need teaching. To fellowship. Oh, we need to fellowship, yes. To sharing meals. What? They devoted themselves to sharing meals. See, food was meant for community. Including the Lord's Supper, it says in parentheses here. And to prayer. Wasn't that interesting? See, we would, I could create a great sermon on, well, you need to devote yourself to teaching, to fellowship, and to prayer. That sounds good, but they put eating in here too. Because it was, because food is about community, it's not about isolation. We need to bring others into our eating habits and not just make it our own. And if you have someone who's enabling you to live a gluttonous lifestyle, you need to sever that part of the relationship. Right? Hey, buddy, let's go down to the, the bar, drink too much, have too many wings, and make passes at the waitresses. No. No, that, that's, that's, a, that's the gluttonous lifestyle. That's a life of excess where I'm trying to satisfy the longings of my heart by indulging. Lastly, Galatians 5.16 says, Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And we talked about this last week. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The other community, besides your family, your church family, the other community you need is community with the Holy Spirit. Community with Him. See, I fear, and this has been the the case for me, I fear that we, as the church, invite the Lord into all sorts of areas of our lives, except for food. Lord, I've got, I can order, I can order, I don't need you, right? Until our ordering of food results in sickness because we mismanage and missteward our bodies, then we need him to heal us. Lord, I need you now, <laughs> right? And this is what I want to end on. Are you willing to involve the Lord in your eating habits? Are you willing to invite him in? I'm speaking out of my weakness. I I don't want anyone to think this morning that I'm up here, you need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do it. Let's do this together. Community. Let's, let's, as a body of believers at VFC in Thomasville, Georgia, as this, this group, this light that God has lit on fire to shine, let's say, God... I don't want you just to teach me good doctrine. I don't want just to give my life to prayer and and community, Lord. I also want you involved in my food decisions. Guys, that's the key to to defeating gluttony, is walking with the Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit. He will. I remember remember in college once, I was about to fix, I fixed one of two things. Frozen chicken nuggets and hamburger helper. That was it. And ramen noodles sometimes. And I remember I was about to cook hamburger helper. I was about to brown a pound of meat. And I know. And, um, and I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit said, you're eating too much red meat. I mean, I heard him. I just happened to be open to him at that moment. So I put the stuff up. When I lost a lot of weight in 2009, 2010, um, I lost around 50, 50 pounds over about a year's time. And the Lord now developed an eating plan. And then I would read research afterwards, and it was exactly what he told me to do. It was tailored for me. The Holy Spirit does not want your ordering habits, your eating habits, separate from him. He wants to be a part. 
Let's invite him in to that part of our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for prayer.